We are rolling. We are rolling here. It's coming in hot. Coming in hot. All right, ladies and germs, we are back and better than ever here. It's Movies Are Dead. We are celebrating. Yeah. We are celebrating the one and only Edward Norton for this month's theme of November. And if you were lucky enough to join us last November, the theme was Naughty 90s November. Ooh. I don't know if anyone remembers or tuned in, but we had some bangers. Yeah, that was a good month. It was a good month with Gummo. Uh, eight millimeter. Eight millimeter. Already. Ah. Uh, oh, I forgot. We had the oh, Bad Lieutenant. I'm Bad fucking Lieutenant. rock hard already. Yeah. Jeez. Damn. Yeah, that was 365 ago, as the kids say. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are doing Nordy November. We were going to do Naughty 90s November again, part two, but, you know, we didn't do it. You know, Bobo came in red hot with Edward Norton. We were trying to come up with, you know, names for November. Naughty Norton. Naughty Norton, which is kind of hard because it was like we were going to try to find, uh, you know, Edward Norton movies that are naughty, if you will, but there's not that many. I don't even think... Like what, like American History X? Like <laughs> Fight Club, maybe. Fight Club. I mean, but those have been done before. Keeping those, the faith. Those have been kicked to the ground. Yeah, if it was James Spader, it'd be easy, but... Oh, yeah, he has a plethora of, you know, naughty but James anyway, Spader yeah, movies. anyway, yeah, we decided to do a little tribute to retrospective for uh, yes. one of our... Not our generations, but, you know, his generation's yes. best actors. I mean, Edward Norton is a tour de force. I mean, just re-watching the three movies we selected, Rounders, Death to Smoochie, mm. and 25th Hour, right. I feel like it's very hard to say that he is not a great actor, if you will. Like, anybody that says, like, oh, he's not that great of an actor, I'm like, really? yeah, they bring up the score, right? Or they bring up, like, well, he's only good in Fight Club. I'm like, have you seen his other work? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like people talking about Motherless Brooklyn. They're like, oh, it's kind of slow. It's kind of boring. And I'm just like, have you not seen like this guy, Edward Norton? This guy, yes. Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk, which to be honest with you, is my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. Right. I'm not into the Marvel. You know me. I love Iron Man, the first one. I thought that was a fun movie. The Resurrection of... We should do the resurrection of uh, Robert Downey Jr. sometime because that he's due. He's, he's due, due here on this podcast. I mean, kiss, kiss, like, bang, bang. Yeah, Zodiac. Zodiac. The soloist. Iron Man, the soloist. Tropic Thunder. We should Tropic go on and on with, with my man. I remember it's growing a slow up. comeback. <laughs> I remember growing up hearing Robert Downey Jr. My dad would always go, oh, he had it all. He had it all. And then he got into drugs and the trouble with the law. <laughs> and he was just... In Limbo Land, you know, for a while there in the mid two thousand, in the early early two thousands, it was like, what? Yeah. What happened to this guy? And then he just kissed, kiss, bang, bang. People were like, okay, all right, calm down. You know, we're not going to sound the alarm just yet. Then Zodiac, you're like, is that Robert Downey Jr.? It was like Gothica first, right? I think it was Gothica, right? And then, uh, and then like a Scanner Darkly. Something about Mel Gibson played his insurance or something. Paid his insurance for a movie. I forgot which one. I don't know. That's very nice of him though. Yeah, they're friends. And then, all of a sudden, we hear the news that Robert Downey Jr. is going to be Iron Man. And mm-hmm. people are like, what? That guy? He's old. And he was probably like only 40, maybe. Not even 40. Yeah. Right? And then, as time went along, it kind of made sense. Like, oh. oh, Robert Downey Jr. substance abuse problem. Iron Man, he was alcoholic. Right? Playboy type. Robert Downey Jr., playboy type. Right? So it fit the mold. And then Iron oh, Man comes out, uh, blows the doors off in May of, I think it was May of 2008. Yeah. And a month prior to that was The Incredible Hulk, Edward Norton's Hulk movie. Was it? I think it was the year after, right? Was it 09 or 08? I, I thought it was 08. I thought it was first up. Let's go no, and check Iron this Man out. Iron Man was the first one. Iron Man was the first one, yeah. Oh, yeah, John Favreau took a shot. Favi! Took a shot. On the old RDJ, and um, I, I heard mixed things. So that, here that we go. June thirteenth, two thousand eight. Ah, that's right. Yes. Yep. 
Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk. Yeah. 2008. 2008. June 13th, 2008. So it was a couple weeks after. Probably oh, like yeah. a month after. Yeah. You know? Um, they really almost blew their load really fast. From the yeah. And I remember hearing, I forgot where. It may have been Edward Norton, an interview with Edward Norton. I don't want to quote him, but he, to paraphrase, I heard him say that like when they got paid to do those first Marvel movies, that the studios, right, like yeah. Disney and Marvel, that they paid them a salary, obviously, but it wasn't that much. What they compensated them with mostly was stocks yeah. in the Marvel franchise. Like, hey, you know what? We don't have enough to give you a salary, but you know what? If this thing, ta- if this thing takes off, you can have points of the Marvel like pl- franchise. Yeah. And lo and behold... 14 years later, this thing runs Hollywood, the Marvel franchise. So it's kind of like Star Wars, hearing about Star Wars in the 70s, how like all these guys had points on the movie, right? I think De Palma, didn't De Palma have points on Star Wars too or something? No? One of those guys did. Yeah. It may have been Coppola maybe, I forgot. Or Milius, maybe have been Milius. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was an easy writers, Raging uh, Bulls. Um, but anyway... Um, so we settled on Edward Norton because he is a hell of an actor uh-huh. and the first movie we're going to do of his in this mega Norton November here is yes. Rounders. Rounders. 98. Right? Uh, I think we got 98 here. Yes. Nine, let's go to the notes. Let's do the cast. All right. So let's go to the cast. I thought you would never ask. All right. So we got Matt Damon as, uh, Mike McDermott. Edward Norton as Lester Worm Murphy. Love that nickname, Worm. John Malkovich as Teddy KGB. John, your boy Johnny Totoro, back and better than ever as Joey Kanish. Famke Jansen as Petra. Famke, what a great name. I love that name. She's stellar. Um, yeah. What else we got? Gretchen Mole as Joel. Martin Landau. Landau. Ooh, it's Martin Landau. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's Martin Landau. As Judge Abe Petrovsky, and finally Michael Rispoli, your boy, as Grandma. I know you love you some Michael Rispoli as I do. He's a great character actor. He is an amazing second, character. Second actor. assistant director as well. On what? Rounders? No, that's a smoochie. That's a smoochie. Other films, I assume. <laughs> Another movie. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, don't, I assume it wasn't like a one and done type of deal. He was like trying. I to have get no it. idea. We Maybe. can look it up later. But, we can, um, yeah, we do. We'll fact check it, all right, Bubble? This is a good, uh, you know, what's the word? You know, sort of like a, almost like a cliche 90s cast. You got everyone in here. This movie oozes. 90s cachet. 90s Miramax, you yeah. know, like pre-Me Too. Yeah, you got you know, Matt Damon coming off Goodwill Hunting. Matt Damone. Edward Hunting, Edward Norton coming off uh, Primal Fear. Primal Fear, yeah. And something else, I assume. And, uh, yeah, Gretchen Mole was big, big back then. Sorry to imagine now. She's a character actress, but uh, back yeah. then she was, uh, she was being primed for stardom. And, I think know, there's a lot of those actors back then. Yeah. That was the year Kinda before. Kind of like Mini Driver, right? That's like, right. That's Mini another. Driver or um, Andy McDowell, maybe. Yeah, that's another one, too. And uh, this is a year before uh, Bean John Malkovich came out. What a crazy movie. You know, I was thinking about that movie two days ago. Yeah. About how fucking insane that movie is. Uh, we'll do it eventually here. Probably probably on the uh, uh, In Celebration of Spike Jones. Sure. Uh, Spike Jones September. Yeah. Spike Jones September. You never know. Um, Spiky Sap. You know, how insane being John Malkovich is. Just the premise of it and how original the idea is. Yeah. Like, it's fucking weird. It's about a guy Dexter, come who here. discovers yes. who a, portal. Di- a portal on a building on a floor that should never exist. Yeah. Right? And it leads, this portal leads into the point of view of the life, literally, of John Malkovich, the actor. Fucking crazy. I can't get over that. Uh, yeah, but it, it's, uh, it couldn't happen anymore, probably. Yeah. No one would buy that script. It kind of makes sense, though, when you look at Spike Jones's work, though. Yeah. Like, how fucking, like, talk about... I think he's still, like, the most underrated artist of, like, the 2000s and, like, late 90s. Yeah, it's pretty influential. Like, everything he did back then, like, was, like, original 
funny, witty, like even his like uh, Fat Boy Slim video, Praise You, or like the lead up to that, they did, or the post of that after that video, he did like a, a mockumentary with Roman Coppola called Torrance Rising about the improv group, the dance group that was filmed in that video. Um, like that, and then also his mini documentaries. There's one called about, I forgot what it's called. It's about a rodeo in the 90s about these kids in like in the middle of nowhere, Texas that aspire to be like like professional bull riders. Yeah. And he just follows them around with the camera. It's great. But um, very creative guy. Now he's out doing what? He's like president of Vice or something? Is he what? President of Vice. Or as CEO. He's the CEO of Vice? Yeah. Give me a quick sec. Well, that's all I got about him. He's, a, he's been a president of Vice or CEO or creative director or something since, uh, I think, 2014, 2015. Uh, I, I don't judge him for it. I guess if that's what he wants to do. But uh, it's kind of disappointing that he doesn't want to make movies or music videos anymore, except for uh, a little bit, yes. Um I kind of, you know, want to say that, you know, he's a kind of a traitor to the, to the, to the art, to the art form. But, uh, you know, if he wants to make money and run Who doesn't a want to make TV money? news network or something, it's fine. Yeah, no, I don't ahead. know anybody that watches Vice. Like, it's like a channel on, uh, like the old Vice, like actually like pre 2015, 16 Vice. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, this had some good shit on there. Um, but not anymore. I don't know anybody. But anyway, let's go back to Rounders here. This one was for uh, this one was uh, written by David Levian and Brian Copelman. They uh, they wrote the script here. What an incredible script, to be honest with you. It's so? all in it's all in what a couple days, right? Yeah, it's like a few days. It's a few days. It's a it's a screwriting teacher's professor's wet dream of a of a screenplay. Yeah, time of action definitely. is very limited. Very limited characters. The stakes Character are high. Arcs, stakes, stakes. It's all there. The goal, the love interest, love interest, dark night of the soul. Yep. All those things they told you to do in screenwriting class. It's all in here. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of disappointing that it came out that way. To be honest, this movie needed a lot more. Uh, Grime need to be dirtier. It did. It did need to be a bit more seedier. Too, too uh, sterile. It's got that '90s Miramax very sheen 90s. on it. It's very kind sheen. of nauseating, to be honest. Like, like in terms of movie. look, look, feel, writing, performance, performance. Okay. Music score. I mean, the whole thing is just. I mean, the budget uh, was twelve million, and the box office yeah. grossed almost twenty-three. It did pretty well. Double. Yeah, it's a almost. niche, uh, niche subject. Niche. It's a hard sell. Yes. But Poker you, is, uh, I mean, I mean, even you, now it's not you that You did big. mention the sheen, the look. Yeah. And this one was DP'd by the one and only Jean-Yves Escoffier, the Frenchman. Yeah, they really... Uh, um, worked with Leo Carras. Yeah, he can do great work. Uh, this is uh, at his best. I mean, what did he do? He did Mave Sang, Boy Meets Girl, yeah. Goodwill Hunting, Gummo, yeah, Nurse Gummo. Betty. I mean, there's a he can do really great transcendent work, but extremely, yeah. I thought, for I thought this movie, you know, it was a little stale. It's anyone, very green. Anyone could step in and do this. Really, I mean, very green, very, very, uh, you know, it's heavy on the like browns. A, like a winter movie, right? It's like fall, winter. It's like January, I think, right? Yeah, it looks like January. It looks bitterly cold, kind of miserable. I think it was like fall, yeah. From what I read online, it's like November. Yeah, December. it's got that feel to it. It does have that feel, yeah. You also, know, scarves, jackets. Go ahead. Also, he also DP'd the Johnny Cash video "Hurt." Oh, nice. I love that video. It's yeah. a very moving video. It is. Um, but yeah, cool. I mean, just the look of it, I'd say it's 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 very yeah, Miramaxi. You know, it's very like uh, yeah. the talented Mr. Ripley. Seven. It's got like it's got that kind of look a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's like a lot of this movie feels like there was a lot of uh, test screenings, and after those test screenings, when the scores were not as uh, good as they hoped they would be, there was rewrites and reshoots after that. <sighs> yes, and uh, I don't know. It's like it's not the movie. Like I don't want to judge a movie for not being the way I want it to be, but it could have been better is what's disappointing about it. Okay, yeah, I kind of agree with you. It could have been better, but for what it is, when I watch it now, 
I feel very invested in the movie. That's good. It draws me in. It holds me in. Yeah, it's not the best Miramax era, you know, movie. Uh-huh. But, you know, like, what's another Miramax era movie? Like, Go? Have you ever seen Go? Love? Doug Lehman's Go? No, I haven't. That one's not that bad. Uh, I mean, yeah, what's another one? They had a lot of things like Shakespeare and Love. Shakespeare and Love, right? Uh, too many to name, to be There's honest. so many, like Clerks, right? Chasing Amy. Clerks, right? Chasing Amy, uh... Robert Rodriguez stuff. Yeah. Like Desperado or But the, you're talking about the look of the movie. I kind of agree with you. It's a little stale. It's a very like, you know, yeah. here's a Miramax movie, right? It's not as nauseating as something like a Netflix series or an Apple TV series. No, no, we're far away from it's that. It's very so. far. At least there's some sort of like artistry put there. Yeah, yeah, it. for sure. There's a lot of craft. Yeah. It's like I've always said, it just takes a lot of work and talent to make even like a mediocre movie. People it's have no idea. It's a, it's a lot of work. Like, to make something actually great, it's just, you know, it's a miracle. But it is a to miracle. to make something mediocre, it takes a lot of work and talent yeah. and craft. Because when I go to war, I want my best soldiers. My favorite lit scene in this movie is, uh, like, it's it's probably the Atlantic City scene when all the characters, like, everybody comes out and their mom into yeah. <laughs> Atlantic City to hustle, like, tourists. Yeah. And Famke, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Petra, she's dealing I just love the I just love the way they shoot the the city like of Atlantic City. I've never been to Atlantic City. I have no uh, personal motivation to go to Atlantic City, but just seeing it on screen, I was like, "There's something romantic about it." It's very seedy, very nasty, right? Overhead lighting, slot machines, everything's like lit, overlit, and stuff. Even when they're eating like sushi, like or Asian food, when Worm and uh, is it Mark Mike? When my man Mike is uh, you know sitting there when they're eating. It's very nasty and dingy, you know. And yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's you know, it's that late nineties. Why Trump have like that Taj Mahal? Taj Mahal, it's like Donald Trump's Taj Mahal. Yeah, he, he had to be like, this is my Taj Mahal, it's mine. Uh, also, uh, Judge A. Petrovsky's scenes as well. I love the judges' chambers. Yeah, Martin Landau is always great. He's he's great. Just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm like, holy shit, is that Martin Landau? You know, he just shows up. Um, he has that monologue. It's great. Yeah. He has a very, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, that's a lot of things about this movie. It's just like, it seems impatient with its, with its own subject matter, just poker. Poker, it seems yeah. like it, it's so, uh, desperate to get people to pay attention and to like it that uh it's impatient it just doesn't take its time doesn't you know it's not um it doesn't let the audience fill in the gaps it wants to explain yeah everything it explains happens. everything so yeah. if you're one of those people that wants everything explained and you want to see a poker movie that has like yeah it's exciting right it's gambling money sex has everything this is a movie for you because it's literally what you said they explains everything to me and you it's like fuck i already okay why are we doing this why are you explaining this again but to i could see it to the average joe schmo at yeah the time, for sure you know even like when i didn't know anything about poker and i watched this movie for the first time i was like oh did you just like stop explaining everything like, yeah it, it's like all voiceover too it's like, like a lot of voiceovers it's not organic it's just like you know michael Link. it's kind of like yeah it's kind of like blade runner voiceover the first one OG yeah the, uh, the the bad one yeah but uh so I was just going to go back to the writing here. You know, I think some of the best scenes, in my opinion, are between uh, Matt Damon and Edward Norton. You know, they have a pop. Something, some, it's always clicky, fast. Yeah, that's Something's, the best part of the movie. Is the, right? Their friendship. Their friendship. It's like, you know, it's almost like the audience is one step behind them, it feels like. Yeah, and you're trying to play catch up with them. You're like, oh, okay, all right, you know. But I love how they establish a relationship between the two. You know, and I like the character of Worm. It's a disgusting nickname, but, you know, it kind of fits him, though. Yeah. He is kind of like a worm. He's right? a wormy guy. Yeah. Even when they pick him up in the beginning, he's like, he's got that, like, what is he wearing? Like a leopard shirt or something? Or, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. He's like, yeah, like a weird print shirt. Weird print shirt, leather jacket, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if it's the writing or the acting, but, you know, it seems like our boy, Edward Norton, is doing the heavy lifting. He does all of the heavy lifting in this in that movie. Yeah. He is electric. He's fiery. Yeah, he's, he's sexy. Most, very youthful as well. He's he the glows. most exciting character and presence in the yeah. whole movie. 
I think Matt Damon too. Matt Damon, he's a little on the boring side, a little stale at times. It's probably right? the writing, I think. Probably the writing, right? But he, his youth on his face, it's kind of crazy to see Matt Damon that young on screen. Yeah. He's such a handsome, good-looking man. He's a hunk, as they say. You know, and this performance, so it kind of it's kind of like the bridge to Ocean's Eleven for me, for him. Yeah, he kind of carries over this character into Ocean's Eleven. I kind of would have rather seen like Ben Affleck do this. Ben Affleck, you believe he's like a gambling addict? I think he was in real life. He right? is. He is still is. Poor and guy. He played poker too, and um, I believe him when he's when he's tired. He just you know when he's tired on screen, you know like. Argo or something. Nah, he wasn't tired in that movie. He, was he, he looks tired. He looks like a little tired. No, he doesn't look tired. He looks more hungover. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I guess. But, you know, it's like when... Um, the Accountant. Tired. I haven't seen The Accountant. Yeah. Live by Night. Tired. I haven't seen Live by Night. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, let's go. Yeah. It's, the, the friendship is the best part of the movie. It's disappointing to me when Worm just disappears near the end. I was going to bring that up. He yeah. just disappears after they get their asses kicked literally yeah. in uh upstate new york Binghamton. by the by the cops yeah. yeah so these two wise guys worm and mike they decide to hustle a card game in upstate new york Binghamton. right and they're found they're played they find out and the cops beat the living shit out of them and then that's it they go their separate ways mike gets stuck stuck with debt mm. of worms and he has to pay it off and then that's pretty much it for Worm. We don't ever see him again. It's very bizarre. It is. It just that's the part that seems to me like uh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was like rewritten or something. But it just it seems like such a cop out. It it's is like kind of a cop out. You want to see those two characters figure their shit out together, and it just seems like uh, what's his name, Mike, Matt Damon's character, yeah. goes off on his own little you know path, and has to all of a sudden you know beat the Russian. Yeah, he has John to go up against KGB and get all his money back. What did you think of KGB? I mean, I love John Malkovich. That character, something's off, and not in a good way. You don't like it? I I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I, I mean, thought it was exciting. It has a hint of that sort of Lynchian, ter- yeah, Lynch-y-no-esque. kind of aware of itself. Yeah, yeah. too self-aware, ironic, ironic. He's yeah. eating the Oreos. He's eating the Oreos. Yeah, he has you the fuck Oreos with my money. Stuff like very uh, counter things. Loud, you know, projecting. Yeah, very broad Russian accents, broad. which is yeah. fine. Yeah, but there's no um, subtlety to it. I guess. I mean, like. If you watch the Friends of Eddie Coyle or uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie, I would prefer guys like that, like heavies, that are, you know, threatening without having to be actually threatening. Yeah, well, I mean, Robert Mitchum does it so well, though. And like, Yeah, I mean, he, he's not really the bad guy in the He's bad, not the bad movie. guy, he's but like he's the still... Guy who's like getting, like, knocked around. Yeah. And this movie, you know, you Have got... we reviewed Friends of Eddie Coyle? No, right? No. God yeah. damn, what an incredible movie. It's a great movie. I've seen that movie at least four times. Really? I can't. I was, I was obsessed with that movie for a bit there. It's yeah. just fun watching him suffer silently. Robert Mitchum? Yeah. Dude, I love the way he talks in that movie. I love how they even, when he goes to a hockey game, to watch, he watches the Bruins at the end, mm-hmm. and it's like live footage yeah. of everyone in the crowd. And if you look at the crowd, like that's like Boston Irish white people. They look mean, and they yeah. look like fucking rude, and just like that's what I hear about Boston. They're like, mean. like especially like that time period, like late sixties, early seventies. It looks like the people like they showed kids, and it looked like they would like kill you like in the street, <laughs> <laughs> right? And they look like it kind of looked like they would hate like, like, like everybody. The little racist they are, yeah, yeah. The little racist, be fucking spit, fucking Mexican. They'd be like fucking <laughs> wetback, get the fucking fuck wetback. Fucking wetback, fucking fucking homo game. man. Doesn't play hockey, fucking homo. Um, so speaking of cities here, okay. I, I just want to bring up New York City in this movie. I do yeah. feel like New York City in this movie is a character of itself. Although the next two movies we are talking about, Death to Smoochie and 25th Hour, same deal. You know, the character of New York City is present in the movie. And I feel that in Rounders, it's the same thing. You could feel New York City glowing. And yeah, kind of ready to burst, and it's a twenty-four-seven yeah. hour town. You know, well, it's hard to make a movie in New York and have it not feel like New York. That is true. Yeah, that'd be like pretty bad filmmaking to do that. Yeah, no heart and soul, right? I mean, yeah, not- you gotta like do something like. Uh, I mean, it's hard to think of a bad New York movie, to be honest. 
Right? Yeah. Can you think of one? I mean, I haven't even. You know what's crazy is I haven't seen a good New York movie in a long time. Have you? Have you? What's the last good uh, New York not. movie? Like Francis Ha? Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Yeah, that's a good one. Good time. Good time. Yeah. All those Safdie Brothers movies. Safdie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. Before. This is how I win. How does it go? That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah, Sandler. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's a good New York movie. You feel it. It's hard not to feel it. Um, uh, I mean, you know, Los Angeles can be a lot more anonymous, but New York is not really ever anonymous. You can just always feel yeah. that you're in New York. Uh, what's a good L.A. movie that you love? Uh, Live and Die in L.A., Heat, Michael Mann, Collateral, you know. Yeah, um, I would say Mind Killing the Chinese Bookie. I would say. Here in Vice. Inherent Vice is another one. Boogie Nights. Yeah, a lot. Even Marriage Story, a little bit. Marriage Story is half and half. It's very bizarre the way he films L.A. in Marriage Story. Like when they're doing like trick-or-treating, right? And he's on Sunset. Yeah. It just feels like they're like just in L.A. Like it it feels like he's just like. It feels more homey. Yeah. Like the ending too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a neighborhood street. Well, like Greenberg as well. Yeah. That's a a pretty good LA movie too. I think it's underrated, but. Also, yeah, you know, I like Confidential. I like Confidential. Devil in a Blue Dress. It's a good movie. I like Destroyer. Destroyer was a good one too. Is that LA? That's LA. Destroyer. Cole Kidman? Yeah. Yeah, Cole Kidman. Seven, right? Seven is, I think, it's anonymous. It's an anonymous. That's not supposed to be LA? No. But it's in LA though. But it's it's all LA. What? It's really rainy. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, rain that much. Right. No, you know what's crazy is that I used to hear from family, right? Family that lived in LA for a while. They would talk about how it used to rain a lot there. Yeah, that there would be like it would be like weeks at a time. It'd be like oh, it was like raining for a week. Even when I lived in LA, I remember it would, it would rain a lot more than. Depends on the season. It depends on the season. Yeah. But yeah, is that supposed to be an anonymous city? Yeah, it's supposed to be like a nameless, anonymous, you know, purgatorial. Purgatorial, place. yeah. Hell on earth, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a good LA movie, I'd say. Or you know, um, eight sure. millimeters um, in the LA. Eight millimeter. I love how they use LA in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a dirty place. Yeah, full of you know essays. You know, like oh hey, yeah. Homie. Yeah. Uh, have you seen what does he go? What does he say to him? Have you seen this video? Oh yeah, puta! Oh yeah, puto! He goes like that. And he grabs him. He like Something fucking like slams that. a fucking Corona bottle down. And it's like the most stereotypical. Yeah, I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> like, why are we fucking showing this guy erupt? He was so offended by that question. Really, that's how offended he's gonna be. Like, so over the top. Jesus Joel Christ. Schumacher. <laughs> yeah, just fucking Jesus. But what's another one? Uh, there's just so many. So I'd many Nor classics. Big yeah. Sleep, right? Big Sleep. Uh, yeah. Long goodbye. Long goodbye. I think I think killing a Chinese butchie. That's one too. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, Minya Moskowitz, right? It's another one. Minya Moskowitz. Uh, I just rewatched. Uh, a woman under the influence. Woman under the influence. Yeah. yeah, it's not really an LA movie per se, but you know, yeah, it feels like California. Even like Judd Apatow's movies too. It's not LA. It's yeah. more like like West Hollywood in the Valley. Yeah, yeah. It always feels like it's uh, you it's know more uh, suburban, suburban, suburban yeah. than uh, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Where are we? How do we get here? Oh, Rounders. Yeah, NYC definitely feels like yeah. NYC movies. So, you know, I disagree with you a little bit. I enjoyed the movie. I I didn't know this movie sparked a, like a poker boom in culture. I guess people got like very excited. Well, about poker. a couple years after uh, this accountant named Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. Which is where Mike goes at the end of the movie. Yeah, he gets in. He's like, I'm going to Vegas, dude. I'm going to go play some poker. And, you know, usually people who were uh, pros would win that event. And this is the first time that a guy who just had a regular job won. Won, right. And it ignited this huge poker boom yeah. online, live poker. Yeah. And then um, that's how this movie became a cult classic. Interesting. Because it was one of the only movies made by Hollywood that was, you know, about poker. About poker, yeah. And that had that actual, you know... What's another Knowledge one? Acumen. Molly's game. Molly's game. Twenty one with Kevin Spacey and Sturgis. Oh, blackjack, but yeah. Right. What's another one? Uh, Maverick. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's a yeah. It's a Mel Gibson oh, wait. movie. Cincinnati Kid, isn't that one about yeah, poker? Yeah, fucking Steve McQueen, dude. What a great fucking movie. Have you seen that one? Norman Jewison. A long That's time ago. Yeah, I gotta rewatch that one. But yeah, I remember how it ends. It ends. Want to tell you how it ends? Is that okay? No. Oh, okay. I love the way the the final shots of that movie. It it's ends, fucking so. cool. Yeah, very seventies the way it ends. Um, and um, 
Beyond that, there wasn't much, really. There was a Michael Imperioli movie made for TV, I think. Stu Understory. That's right. And yeah. then uh, beyond that, it's just it's hard to make TV out of it in the first place. It's even harder to make a movie out of it. Cause yeah. Just, it's not very cinematic to shoot two guys or more. Or the cooler. Table. Is the cooler one? Not really. It's, it's just, just about more like, like a crap. He's more, like, he's more of like a... a you know, like a, a bad luck guy, you know. Oh, you know, uh, remember uh, owning Mahoney? Yeah, that Philip one. Seymour Hoffman. Owning Mahoney, That yeah. kind of thing. There's good gambling movies, but uh, poker is harder to shoot. So it's just it is harder, harder to, to shoot, shoot yeah. Because like there's a lot of technicality, too. You got to get right. For sure, yeah. And uh, usually on TV, you see the cards and movies. It would just seem, you know, shitty. Yeah. To like, have the cards pop up on screen and be like, oh, this guy has King Four. Yeah. So it's, in, yeah, it's hard to make a movie out of it. No, you're good. I think that finishes up for rounders. I mean, I, I you know, I disagree. I really enjoyed this movie. Okay. You know, it's not it's not the best Miramax movie, but it, you know, it's still it, oh, no, in, it's in, a, in the pantheon of Ed Norton works. Yeah. I think it's one of his better performances. Okay. Um, yeah. Very uh, underrated, I'd say. Yeah, it's a good watchable movie. I just I just see the ways it could have been better and um sort of disappointing. I'm like even like for example, Gretchen Mole's character, Joe Kind of like non-existent, right? Yeah, she's just there to like provide some sort of obstacle, and sort of kind of yeah, uh, incentive. She's like, I know you've been gambling. Let me go through your jeans while you're in the shower and find some water cash. Just weird. And she's. I love how everyone's dressed like a Gap ad in that. Yeah, it's like fucking great. So great, fucking amazing. Yeah. Now everyone wants to talk about their mental illness and how (laughs) damaged they are and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Different times, huh? (laughs) Different time. Not one time in that movie did I hear anyone blaming their dad. Blaming their fucking uh, PTSD or schizophrenia on any character. They owned it. You're just in the wrong place. <laughs> you got to get a different job and you'll be fine. That's true. Yeah. Got to go get like a construction job, you know, like. Yeah, there you like go. Like carrying like, like, yeah. you know, like bags. Slabs. Of, yeah. Or like hammering something. That's with true. Uh, you right. You right, player. All right. All right. So that, that does it for rounders. Um, you want to cut it right here? I'll cut it together. I'll cut it. Cut them up. So we just keep rolling. Okay. So, bye, guys. All right, guys. Stay tuned for Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. All right. Here we go. Let's go. Here we go. Next movie, Death to Smoochie. All right, guys. Welcome back here to Movies Are Dead. We are continuing uh, the thematic theme of uh, Northern November. And next up on the list here, we have a 2002 gem of a movie, the one and only Death to to smoochie do you remember this movie coming out no i remember this movie coming out really i remember everything about this movie okay it's fucking weird and um probably because i was like 10 when this movie dropped or maybe because i would hear reviews about it like people talk about it i remember my dad talking shit about this movie because it bombed so much yeah unfortunately and then also hearing like is this robin williams you know what i mean yeah i guess so Death to Smoochie, directed by the one and only Danny DeVito. Yes, that Danny DeVito, always sunny in Philadelphia for you millennials and Gen Zers out there. But, you know, I like to think of Danny DeVito's directed movies. You know, people forget he's a director. Not only did he do Death to Smoochie, Matilda, <laughs> Duplex, Hoffa, Throw Mama from the Train, War of the Roses. That's right. Right? He was also a powerhouse actor, Batman Returns, Taxi, uh, get shorty. What else? Just so much. So much. Fucking Danny goes DeVito. on and on. The man's a legend. Okay, all right. He's also in the Snickers commercials and Eminem commercials sometimes. Is he? Yeah, Snickers commercial. I'm pretty those. sure. All right. Yeah. And then also, I don't know if you knew this, but as a producer, he has had his hand in Pulp Fiction, Man on the Moon, yeah, Reality Bites, just to name a few. I know how you love your reality bites, your Gen Xers living it up. That was a good movie. You ever see that movie? Reality Bites? Yeah. Winona, so. Ben yeah, Stiller. Lubezki did that. What's up? Lubezki did that. Did he? Yeah, he did. He DP'd that movie? Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man's been everywhere, literally. Jesus. Yeah, he has. Fuck. Yeah. But this movie, it was written by Adam Resnick. Who spent time on the David Letterman show? He was like one of the head writers on that show. Yeah, he co-created Get a Life. Yeah, Chris Elliott did that. He also wrote uh, on the Larry Sanders show as well. I know you love you some Larry Sanders. I do. Yeah. Big fan of Jerry Shandling. 
That was one of the first Netflix shows I binge watched. I remember like when Instant was first a thing. I just showed my uh, my age here when Netflix streaming was called Netflix Instant. Uh-huh. That was one of the first shows they had on there. Larry Sanders show. And I remember watching it. What a great show! Um, but yeah, he wrote on that show. But he but he also wrote you know movies that were considered bombs. So he did like Death to Smoochie, which lost a lot of money. It only made eight point three million dollars, Bobo. Did it come out? March of two thousand two. Oh, March release. Yeah, they dumped this movie. They were uh, like, it know. was different back then. Though. It was different back then. Yeah, so I'm not sure. That's if true. It really they weren't going up against the Marvels, not just yet. Because Spider Man would come out like probably two months later. The first Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. Summer. But this movie was made for fifty million dollars, and it made really? only eight point three. It's insane. It is fucking crazy, right? <laughs> Budget. Fifty million. Well, especially like uh, I read that twenty fifth hour was made for five million. You wouldn't think, right, that this movie was made fifty million. Fifty million dollars. I think it was mostly, you know, the I actor's think it was salary. in the fucking credits. The credit scene. Did you see the credit scene for that movie? For uh which one? This one? That's the smoochie. It's fucking insane. The movie. Yeah. yeah. They have a fucking scene where these people well, it's not these people, but it's the big <laughs> three of the movie. Robin Williams, Catherine Keener. Edward Norton. Uh, They're in front of like a not a screen, literally like a practical set of lights, stars, rainbows. Uh-huh. Smoochie's dressed up. Edward Norton's dressed up as Smoochie. Edward Norton. Robbie Robin Williams is dressed up in top hat, right, reprising his role as ooh, what was his character's name? As Rainbow R- Randy R- Rand- Rainbow Ra- Randy Ra- Randolph Randall. Smiley. So, yeah, it ends with them, like, on, like, they're flying in the air and dancing. It's a very absurd ending to the movie, but I love it, though. But maybe that's where it went. I have no idea. I know they shot this movie. Obviously, they shot in New York City, but then they also shot in Toronto as well. Really? Canada. Yeah, to save money. But $50 million (laughs) is quite absurd. Yeah, let's go ahead and double-check that number just so I can (laughs) just just make sure. Times were different back then. They had bigger budgets. Uh, if you weren't working in indie, even if you're an indie movie, you would have at least like what, like ten, twelve million dollars to make your movie. Yeah, and this movie was a WB movie as well. So yeah, you had fifty stars, million dollars. You had Robin, you had Eddie, Eddie and Eddie Norton. Fifty you had, million. You had a Danny DeVito. Yeah, Danny DeVito. Just wait around. So we got Adam Resnick writing the script. Spoli. You know, and you know it's it's a very bizarre movie, pretty much. Robin Williams' character, Rainbow, is a kids' TV star who hosts, like, a TV show, right? Kids' TV star as in, like, he's a star to the kids. He gets arrested arrested for accepting money from undercover cops who want their, quote-unquote, child to be in the front row and to appear on TV. Then Catherine Keener, the producer of the show, and Jon Stewart in a great wig, by the way, John Stewart is that wig? Yeah, is that just his hair? That's not his real hair. I don't he think just style his hair like that. I don't think he styled his hair like that. Okay, I'm pretty sure by that time he was already starting to lose a little bit of it. Oh really? Yeah. Did he get uh? What are they called? Plugs? No, I don't think he did. Because in the back, he's he's got a bald spot. I haven't really noticed his hairline. Uh-huh. I love John Stewart a lot. Like just like not that you know when he was on Daily Show. Yeah, it was great. It was it was fucking cool and funny. You know, Gen Z doesn't remember that time. What? John Stewart? When the Daily Show was a big deal, you know. Man, dude, when fucking. I was were like, oh, I watched the news on <sighs> comedy. Dude, Central. I used to watch that a lot. Like, during the Bush era, the Obama era. Yeah. I would put that on and just, like, watch that. Like, Colbert would show up. Steve Corral would show up. He like, had his own show after that. Uh, but, yeah, like, Olivia Munn was on there, right? On uh, Colbert. Steve Corral. Not Colbert. On uh, Daily Show. But yeah, it mattered. Like, yeah. uh, it was a big deal. I remember like watching it. It was fun. Yeah. It's... And he left at the wrong time. Like he left in, I think August of 2015. I want to say, like right before Trump's uh like campaign started to pick up steam and everything, he left right then and there. Then they replaced him with the Daily Show uh, with the with uh Trevor Noah's David Daily Show. Yeah, it's uh. It's fascinating, like all these things that Gen Z future generations will not remember. Yeah, 
Which is the same thing for us. We same thing for us. The, like we all, like the little special things that we're happy like Dick Cavett, like Dick Cavett. Like we don't know Dick Cavett, right? Like, right? Even like we during like Gen X stuff, like during like the early nineties. Yeah, like uh, fucking stuff. like uh, who's one? Oh, Arsenio, right? Arsenio, <laughs> like <that guy>. Sure, <laughs> stuff like that. Like stuff we don't even that can't dude. even imagine. Right. That was important back then. Yeah. Like we go and you know pick up like a Newsweek from nineteen ninety one and you, like read what's what's going on. And it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, next what? big star. Yeah. It's like some guy you've never heard of. In never your life. heard of him. Yeah, who's like on some like like sitcom now, like doing like the grandpa role. Yeah, very bizarre. It's very funny how time passes. It know? is very and funny. Culture and society and all that. You know? As we were saying though, Catherine Keener and John Stewart, right? Yeah. They enlist the help of Ed Norton's character. Uh huh. Right. Who goes by the name of Sheldon Mopes, aka Smoochie, and he takes over the Smoochie role. And becomes a hit. But Smoochie, Sheldon, starts to learn the ups and downs of network TV. And he comes across a very shady uh, business agent by uh, played by Danny DeVito. He's also dealing with network advertisers. Starting to learn that maybe, just maybe, this kid's TV show that he is a star of is pushing some goods that aren't good for the kids. Let's put it that way. Right, yeah, concise explanation of the plot. Yes, which to me was sort of confusing. Like halfway through, I was like, "What's going on now?" It it does fucking it goes everywhere. This movie and watching this movie not only is absurd, it's funny, it's witty, it's fucking dark, it's sad, it's very uh, scathing of the entertainment business. Cynical, cynical, very cynical. And that, you know, that sort of a uh, Simpsons late 90s sort of way. Yeah, it's a very, yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, it's just, you know, taking this sort of industry that everyone sees as wholesome and for the greater good, I guess, and reveals the dark underbelly that's all just as corrupt as anything else, anything else you can think of. Sadly. It is sad, yeah. Well, you know, that's how it is. Didn't that Elmo guy get, get caught or something? Was Elmo? The, the, Elmo guy, the Elmo, you know, puppeteer. Oh, I think he did. He did something. Stuff something like that. You know, there's happening. like a darkness to all children's entertainment. Like even like Wizard of Oz, yes. Pixar movies, Disney, stuff like that. There's yeah. always like a darkness, like a like a looming shadow. Looming shadow, yeah. There's always something a bit off, a right? Bit off. I always liked how people used to say Mr. Rogers was tatted beneath uh, his cardigan. They would always say, like, he wears that cardigan because he's tatted. People say that? Yeah, or they'd be like, they, yeah, I remember hearing that. That he has war tattoos. That's what they would say. He has core tattoos? War. Like, oh, war, war, tattoos. like war tattoos. Or, like, another one I heard was, like, he shoot. He used to shoot heroin. That's why he used to wear the sleeves. Oh, and it just turns out he was just, like, a nice Baptist guy. Like, he just wanted, you know, the good for mankind. Yeah, there's some nice you know. people out there. Everyone was waiting when that documentary came out. A couple years ago, and then the Tom Hanks movie came out. Won't you be my neighbor? They're like waiting. They're like, they're like, oh, I bet they're so. People are so cynical. Americans are so cynical. They're like, I bet he has bodies underneath his house. Oh, let me tell you something. But no, nothing was found. He was just <laughs> yeah. a good Baptist man. He was investigated and he was cleared. Yeah, but you know, yeah, death to Smoochie is the opposite of that. It's very down. It's very dirty. You know. And uh, this movie was DP'd by Anastas and Michos. Have you ever seen his work or heard of his work? No, what's his other other credits? He did Mona Lisa Smile, Man oh. on the Moon, Ooh. Duplex. He's Ooh. also a TV-based DP as well. So uh, I had not seen much of his work, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I've seen Mona Lisa Smile. Uh, yeah, I've seen Duplex. Man on the Moon is a classic. Jim Carrey. Uh, very underrated movie, I think. Yeah, he's a good cinematographer. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah. This is a well-shot movie, I think. Yeah. I like it. I like the look. And we also got John Paul as John Paul as the editor and David Newman rounding out the score here. Uh, this movie, what, how would you describe it? It's like half noir. It's like there's noir in the back end. It's fucking weird. It's all over the place. Yeah, there's sense of noir. Yeah, it's like it's, it's dark like, comedy. Mostly. It's dark comedy, half noir, uh, entertainment business. You know, I mean, entertainment business bio, right? Like. So strange. It's very all over the place. Let's get to the cast here. I know you've been okay. waiting for this. All right. As we mentioned earlier, we got Robin Williams as Rainbow Randolph's uh, Smiley, Ed- Eddie Norton, back and better than ever, and more handsome than ever, as Sheldon Mopes, a.k.a. Smoochie, Danny DeVito as Burke Bennett, the talent agent. Burke. 
Catherine Keener as Nora Wells, your girl, Catherine Keener. John Stewart, my man, as Marianne Prank Stokes. Marianne Prank Stokes as an executive. Marianne. So long. And we got Michael Raspoli, your boy, as Spinner Dunn, a.k.a. Moochie. Yeah. Who plays a brain-damaged boxer. You couldn't do that anymore. (laughs) That was fucking crazy, watching Spinner Dunn, the character, like... This movie like would literally offend a lot of people, I'd say. Like yeah. it was crazy. Like yeah, I can't do any of this stuff anymore. It was absurd. I really like how like he like you know, would just like go into the character. Like he would just like to the max. It was like a ten. Yeah, like those scenes like went on and on. And they would go on and he just kept the camera rolling down the video. Uh, it's a good performance though, I like it. Yeah. Definitely. And we also have your man, Harvey Fierstein. My man, <laughs> Fierstein, as Merv Green. He's the corrupt head of the Parade of Hope Charity. Yeah, yeah. I love his character, by the way. He's a great actor, that guy. guy. Independence Day. You know. Uh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, you mentioned earlier, Michael Raspoli was also the assistant director on this second movie. Director. Second AD. Yeah. And this is the second uh, movie in a row that we have our man, uh, Michael Rispoli, making an appearance. He's got some good credits. I mean, look him up. Hold on. The credits? The credits are insane. In this his movie. credits, yeah. Oh, his credits, yeah. So um, long, Marianne. But yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, this is probably... Yes. What, the second or third movie in what I call the strange phase of Robin Williams. Okay. I mean... It's kind of strange. It's kind of bizarre. You look at Robin Williams' movies, and it's like a family family type character. You know what I mean? Family type character. Like you gather the family and watch his movies, right? Yeah. You know, we see him on Mork and Mindy. We see a stand up comedy, which is very dirty but hilarious. Uh, but then you also in Disney movies like Aladdin, Flubber, Jumanji, yes. Father's Day, very underrated movie, right? Father's Day. But then he also starts to do these bizarro strange movies as i call them yes right and he starts to trickle them out one by one we see a flash of it in what dreams may come in 97 or 98 i forgot Uh then he does one hour photo Uh and you're like what the fuck right yeah very disturbing role in that movie then he does insomnia death to smoochie then the final cut Uh mm-hmm so he's he's doing these movies outside of the box. What about a bicentennial? It's bicentennial man. Bicentennial man. What a, what a great heartwarming movie. Yeah, I've never seen it, but yeah, I the flubber. Trailer. I'm more of a flubber type of guy. I remember seeing that movie a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Aladdin's my shit though. Michael I like Rispoli. Volcano. Volcano. Hey, all right. Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. Summer of Sam. Are we talking about Oliver Stone Snake Eyes? Huh. No, Brian De Palma. Is that Brian? Is that with Nick Cage? Yeah. There you go. I got confused. Sorry. Sopranos, Jackie Priel, uh, The Weatherman. Remember wow, that he's in The Weatherman? Yeah. Is that Taylor Leone and Nick Cage? I don't think it's Taylor Leone. Or is that Leone? The Family it's Man? Nicholas Cage. Yeah, it's, it's Family Man. Yeah. And yeah, you got a bunch of good credits in here. You got uh, a Law and Order. You got Cake Ass. You got a uh, Rum Diary. You got a. Uh, Who's in the Rum Diary? Pain and Gain. And uh, probably my favorite is the, the what's it called the Deuce. Good TV show. The which one? The Deuce. Oh, the Deuce. Yeah. The Deuce. You said the Dukes, and I was the like, Deuce. the Dukes of Hazard, the 05, the remake, the movie. Did you ever see that one? No. That was a good movie. Very. Uh, it's one of those. It was. A, it was a weird era, like the mid 2000s. They tried to bring back like. They try to redo like 70s TV shows as movies. Yeah. So I they did like Starkey and Hutch. Starkey and Hutch. Yeah. Dukes of Hazard, and then they also tried to do like Soul Plane. They like remade Soul Plane. Plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 fucking, there was a seventies itch in the air. But yeah, I mean, Robert Williams was on his uh, Strange Phase tour here. You know, his movies just outside of the box, usually very dark, very yeah. ominous characters. And Death to Smoochie is no exception here. This is his weirdest role, I think. There is something off and spooky about his role in this movie is it it's like narcissistic mixed with like a a, a suicidal ideation right right is it right uh, i guess until the end i didn't remember that he would just you know turn sides back again and be like oh i'm good now yeah it's it almost ends like a cartoon yeah it's a bit disappointing i didn't remember that happening 
Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't remember that happening at all. That's in the back half when it when oh, fuck, who plays the villain in the back half? The dude from uh, One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah. Big time seventies actor. Big time. Ah, Big time fuck. Guy. What was his name? I forgot his name. Vincent something. I forgot. Vincent Gallo. No, we wish we wish it was Vinny Gallo. We we heard movies are dead. Love Vinny Gallo. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. It would be. It would be like he's like I was supposed to be smoochy. Okay. Me. Oh, I was supposed to be me in that costume. Me. me. You know who they based that movie off of? Me. <laughs> All right. All right. It's wearing a jumpsuit. He's <laughs> yeah, a big yellow jumpsuit. Um, sorry, yeah. What were you gonna say? Anyway, uh, yeah, Danny DeVito. He he puts like five movies in one. I feel like it's a it's a comedy, uh, an entertainment bio movie. It's a uh, noir. It's uh, yeah. it turns into like Manjurian Candidate at the end. Like it turns it it it, it gets weird, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's almost like uh, a Robert Downey uh, Senior movie as well. Yeah, it felt like that as well. It feels very '60s, sort of a Richard Lester. That's sort of you know zany, sort of like a Jerry Lewis comedy. Yeah. And uh, I wish it would have been a little bit tighter, you know, a little bit more focused. A little bit shorter, maybe. The, yeah, this movie should have been way shorter, in my opinion. I, I feel like at the hour 10 mark, I was like, the movie's over, right? And then I'm like, no, it literally goes on for another, like, 50 minutes or something. 40 minutes, yeah. 40 minutes. I think, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I could see the Joker, Todd Phillips, the Joker being inspired by yeah. this movie in some weird well, way. this movie seems inspired by the camp comedy. That's another one I was going to yeah, bring yeah. up, too. Yeah. Teener comedy. Yeah. Even down to the color palette, the purples, the blues, the blacks, the greens, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like very seventies TV, you know, poppy and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the sets are sort of that, you know, Merv Griffin show. Sort of, you know. Where are the cameras? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But Robin Williams, he's so electric and dark and his scenes with Edward Norton are like pretty cool to see that these two would be on screen together. Yeah, I mean sometimes the comedy is a bit too aware of itself. Yeah, I could it see would that. Be a lot funnier if it just they played it straight. Yeah. And uh, let his uh, Robin Williams just like insomnia, for example, or uh one hour photo. Yeah. He has an actual creepiness, evil to him. Actually, he is over the top in this movie. And uh, yeah, Dan DeBeer just lets him be like, you know, go like full on, like big Tonight Show, Robin Williams. Tonight Show, yeah. So sometimes the comedy doesn't land as well as it should. Yeah. Same for Edward Norton too, though. I love his character in this movie. There's yeah. something dim witty and you know very uh, bright eyed and very. Yeah, he's good for sure. We're just like, you, you know, at first he he appears dumb, right? Yeah. He appears like dumb, starry-eyed, uh, very, you know, like, oh, this kid, you can't be this serious, right? This kid is this dumb, right? Yeah. But then he changes by the end. By the end of the movie, he wants to kill Burke Bennett, right? He's becoming, like, evil. Yeah, well, he mentioned that he, like, had anger issues in college or something. He took, like, anger classes. Yeah, he took anger classes. And then also there's that song he sings about his stepdad. He's all like, my yeah, stepdad's yeah. not mad. He's just adjusting or something, right? <laughs> I fucking love that. And the kids are all dancing. Yeah. They're like, yeah they're like that they're like yeah i think the scenes in this movie like in death to smoochie are are like the best scenes are like when the kids when he's on stage with the kids yeah and how fucking crazy they get like when he reaches into to pass out the cookies and the cookies look like a penis right yeah. because robin williams's character made him look he like, was a like penis. homeless and he was like baking them over yeah like he was like baking them in a penis fire. yeah um yeah so you know, like, those are the best scenes, I feel like. And then, like, I like how Smoochie recovers. And he's like, it's a rocket ship. It's not a penis, I swear. It's a rocket ship. And then everyone goes crazy. And then Mickey from Seinfeld, the dwarf, you know, he's also, like... A little person. Please. A little... Oh, my bad. My bad. Is that... Little person? Yeah, is a little what person? he says in the actual show. Oh, is that what he says? Okay, all right. I thought I was making a mistake. But, yeah, little person, you know, uh, he... Um, Talk about a Cronenberg right here. He Bobo, sell, Bobo he for some out. fucking crazy reason, decided to put on a history of violence as we're doing this podcast. What? It's the next video in the queue. I just Is it? Is that John Clark, the actor? Josh Clark? Josh Clark or John Clark? I don't Clark? think so. Go back. Go back. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back. Hold on. We got to run the fit of this out. All right, then. <laughs> not that. Not that. Love that shot. Further back. Me too. I love it too. We should we should copy that and be like movies are dead movies are dead that guy loop. no go back go back that guy back no back Ooh, which guy the guy in the beginning the white kid Jesus go back. Christ doesn't matter <laughs> right here that guy isn't that John Clark Josh Clark Josh Clark the actor from fucking 
Planet Planet of the Apes, new Planet of the Apes. No, it's not. Some other guy. That's not him. Okay, no, it's not him. It's been sure here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, all right. We should loop this right here, right here. Ready, ready, right here. Ready. Who's doing who? <laughs> right here. Ready. We're gonna loop this right here. Ready. Movies are dead. Movies are dead. <laughs> Oh, that's looping. <laughs> yeah, we would loop it. Anyway, um, yeah, Bobo decided to put on History of Violence, which is a, an amazing movie. But right now, we are talking about Death. So let's go back to Death to Smoochie. Okay, so Death to Smoochie. Yeah. We got, uh, what were we saying? Robbie Williams, right? We're going Robbie yeah, Williams. Yeah, he was going a bit broad, so is Edward Bit-bro- Norton. Edward Norton. Uh, yeah. Catherine I mean, Keener, though, is the unsung a, hero of this movie. She's a bit more in line with the actual tone of what the movie should be. Yeah, Catherine Keener as Nora Wells, the TV producer, is probably my favorite character um i love you know you love it when women are mean i love it when women are mean and they want what they want in life and they take what they want that's right bitch feminism yeah you gotta take what you want yeah she's bitter she's mean but then at the end she falls in love with smoochie with edward norton yeah you know he can't uh he's got a good heart He's got a good heart, yeah. And she kind of lusts over him, right, in the fitting in the dressing room, he right? He has a six pack. He's got a six pack. He's looking yeah, good. Like, Whoa. Yeah, she's like, oh my god. And then we find Whoa. out that she also has a fetish for TV stars, right? For yeah, she had a kids host TV stars, right? Up. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Yeah, she turns out to be a groupie, right? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And they um, insinuate that she's kind of you know a bit on the skeezy end, you know. For sure. You know, all people are. Hey, um, who is but Aaron Norton, um, what distinguishes him really from any other actor of his generation is that he has a really broad range of what he can do. He can do everything. From Fight Club, American History X, Rounders. The score. Keeping the Faith. Keeping the Faith. Something like this. The Illusionist. An innocent, uh, good-hearted character like uh, Sh- like Sheldon, right? Yeah, right. Sheldon Mopes, yeah. Sheldon Mopes. And um, if you think about other actors – I came up with them at the same time. They don't really have that. They have no, their they own don't. really. Uh, they have their own zone. That they do in. have their own zone. And they yeah. can't really succeed outside of it. But Edward Norton is always, you know, pretty good in whatever he does. I mean, like even like Birdman. Birdman too. Yeah, he's really good in that. And I love how he can play an asshole in that movie. Yeah, yeah, he's like really funny too. Like, yeah, sort of like charming. In yeah, that sort of way. Um. But yeah, I mean, he just, it just, it wasn't. I mean, I think if like in the seventies. Would have been a lot more successful. Yeah, he would have. He would have had a better uh, choice of roles to do, but in the early two thousands, you know, you know, it was becoming like a much more uh, money centered, greedy sort of film industry, where uh, you couldn't really, you know, do that do that kind of like arty shit. Yeah. So after this, before this movie, before this movie came out, he did the score. Okay. Keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. Then after this, Red Dragon, one of his Red biggest Dragon. hits. Yeah. Uh, 25th Hour, of course. Mm-hmm. He had to do the Italian job to get out of a uh, contract with Warner Brothers, I believe. Oh, he, yeah. He played the bad guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He has, like, he has like one of those like, little uh, goatees. Yeah. Like, like goatees. Mean, yeah, gold team. Yeah, gold team. And then after that, he just sort of cooled down for a bit, to be honest. Yeah. He did, did King, yeah. Kingdom of Heaven, if you remember that movie. I do. Brad Pitt, right? Wasn't he in that? Orlando Brad Bloom. Pitt. Orlando Bloom. There it yeah, is. Yeah. Ridley, Scott, Ridley Scott. Down in the Valley. Illusionist, which Illusionist. came out at the same time as the Prestige, got forgotten. They got a, they yeah. battled, they battled one, I guess. Yeah. And uh, the Painted Veil, he produced that. Yeah, and that's that was uh, after like Incredible Hulk. It was like a hard time for him to like find meaty, substantial meaty stuff. roles, stuff that he wanted to do, probably. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know, it's not it's not easy out there even for good actors. No, it's not. You know, Motherless Brooklyn, I still think is it, it's a great movie. I, I really it's enjoy enjoyable. that movie. It's fun. It's a fun, crazy movie. It's got Alec Baldwin in it being Alec Baldwin. I like Baldwin. Uh, his, his perf- he really swings for the fences with his performance. It's yeah. Weird. Sort of like a, how would you describe his character as like a stuttering, uh, non but autistic. Lonely. Lonely guy. Is that a bad thing to say? No, because he is autistic. He's got Tourette's. He's got a hint of Tourette's. He might be autistic. Yeah, he has like a memory for details, right? Memory like for detail. super smart. He's really good yeah. at Yeah. Whatever. And, um... Yeah, I mean, like, that movie came out like when Joker came out, right? Like a week or two after, like a month. Came out like a month after. And you know that period of time before the pandemic started. Pre-pandy. It was just no good for these kind of movies. Period. No, they had a tough time. Prestige. They had a tough time. Yeah. It's a wonder it got made in the first place, but 
unfortunately, yeah, it wasn't the right time. Maybe like twenty years ago. Yeah. Remember any of like those are kind of like Miramax movies that we were talking about? Yeah, Rounders. it's a mir- definitely a Miramax movie. Yeah, seems should yeah, have very, been, yeah. very clean. Um, sort of, uh, sort of asking for some Oscar nominations. You know, production design. Yeah, cinematography. Acting. Uh, but not, but also being that sort of you know adult drama that's not really seen anymore outside of you know streaming services. Yeah. Are. Yeah, you saw Tar, right? Tar? Yeah. Did you see Tar yet? I saw it. Yeah. What'd you think? That was amazing. It's a fucking great movie, huh? I told you. That was pretty great, dude. That movie is like fucking trippy, huh? It's really funny. It's a funny movie as well. Yeah. It's really. uh, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was happening. Like the first twenty minutes, I was like, "What kind of movie is this?" Yeah, it's it's like a fucking NPR interview. The first fifteen, right? Yeah, but it makes so much (laughs) sense when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, wow. Like, that movie he... is like fucking, it's very aware of itself. It's very aware. For sure, it's yeah. Very... It's aware of the time. And it makes you made. think. It's kind of like Joker, where it's like a movie that makes you think of the time that you're in. Yeah. You know? Um, yes. Let's go back to Death to Smoochie. Let's round this out. All Some right. of the absurd moments in Death to Smoochie. Obviously, the end credit sequence that we're watching right now. Look at this, Bobo. They're flying in the air. This uh. is where the fucking budget went, dude. This is where the fifty million went. Look at this. It's gonna be that expensive. Look though. how fucking cool this is, though. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Look how much fun they're having in it's the pretty, air. Yeah, it's pretty. You know, it's funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. It's cool. Anyway, it's Catherine Keener, Robin Williams, and Edward Norton all in character. They're dancing in the air. There's sparks flying. It says Rainbow Smoochie. Right. They're going in slow motion. They're flipping upside down. There's sparkles going. Just a beautiful ending sequence. Yeah. Um, some other aspects I love this about this movie is the Nazis crowd. <laughs> yeah. Smoochie is duped into performing for Nazis in a sabotage made by um, Rainbow by Rainbow. Randy Rainbow. Randall. Randy Rainbow. I love that scene when all of a sudden he just sees Nazis everywhere in the police raid and he gets canceled. You know? Um Another one, uh, you know, another one is uh, guns as well. There's, a, there's a, you know, there's a gun, you know, people there. I love that gun scene. You know what I mean? When Danny DeVito gives, gives him the, the gun. gun and yeah. he goes, hey, whoa, whoa. I've never held a gun before. There's something beautiful and funny and innocent about that. Let's go to Roger Ebert, or Ebert though. Ready? Do we? Yeah, let's go to Roger Ebert. What what are we watching here, Bobo? Anyway. It's what, a guy putting a Death Smoochie BHS into his TV. That's fucking badass. I love it. All right, so Roger Ebert's review. Ready? This is in the first paragraph. Stars did he give, did he give I don't us? think he, he was probably one Zero or two. Zero stars. This is probably one or two. I have no idea. But this is what he said. To make a film this awful, you have to have <laughs> enormous ambition and confidence and dream big dreams. This is, what, this is another thing he said. Ready? In all, the annals of the movies, uh-huh. few films have been this odd, inexplicable, and unpleasant. <laughs> I love what he says about John Stewart. You ready? Yeah. John Stewart, <laughs> who might have Singles been out. more interesting as one of the clowns. Ooh, you were going hard there. Is that a kind of compliment? You know, it is a compliment. Yeah, because John Stewart is—he's actually—he looks like fucking Mo from the Three Stooges. <laughs> right, that's Mo, right? I'm pretty sure that's Mo. <laughs> Mo with the hair, the bangs. But yeah, John Stewart's absurdly uh, cool and funny in this movie. In my opinion, I love his character. Um, but yeah, Ebert hated this movie. Hated this movie. Yeah, he was um, wrong about a lot of things. I was kind of shocked to believe that this movie is actually picking up a uh, cult esteem now. I mean, it's a good movie. I think you know, I've always been a fan of this movie. It's original. It's funny. It's bizarre. Just the title, "Death to Smoochie." Yeah, Death to title. Smoochie. What the fuck? Just you know, we need more more of these movies. To be honest, it's we do. Got a lot of cowards out there. Yeah. And uh, this is why we don't have anything good ever. <laughs> Only sometimes, I guess. But I'll tell you what, though. Ah. We have some cookies waiting for us, Bobo. I think I might no, go devour can. some soon. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, Danny DeVito here, he tried to make something special, unique. And I think he did. For the time being, you know, it didn't, like, you know, flow. It didn't make money. But to tell you the truth, I think it works. I think it's funny. If you have the time to shed and you want to check out a weird, bizarre <laughs> movie about the entertainment business... Check out Death to Smoochie. It's a good movie. It's I a mean, good movie, man. Yeah. What do you want? From people? Yeah. People try. 
like I said in the last episode, it's 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 difficult to make a mediocre movie. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I said. <laughs> it's difficult to make a mediocre it is, movie. It is very difficult. With all your movie. talent and hard work, you can still make something that's mediocre. Yeah, and it should be humbling. Yes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're just putting on random movie clips here, and I'm uh, like, "What uh, movie is?" It? And I'm like, it's "Oh, legend. it's Legend." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, like, as soon as I saw Tom Hardy, I was like, oh, Legend.' Yeah, made sense." Um, it's it should be humbling to people. Like critics don't understand really how hard it is to make a movie. Like even just making like a little short film in your house will drive it's you pretty insane. fucking hard. Yeah, it would drive you insane. to make a mold like fifty million dollars budget dark comedy Remember i told you like, this movie was made for 50 million you're like what <laughs> it doesn't right this movie death to smoochie doesn't look like it was made for 50 million well back then i think uh you know robin williams probably bought, probably got a big salary yeah i probably wanted character edward orange yeah, actors yeah robin you would just have yeah. more time back then to shoot yeah now you have like what like 25 days you probably have 27 days yeah you're uh, you're sweating the whole time stress you don't know if you got it or not you got to make sure crafty is there. but back then you could you know you know take a day off just to watch the dailies and you're like what do we need what else yeah. do we need here is this gonna be a good picture and you watch the dailies and yeah. um sally it's not the way it works anymore no uh one car why it took like a year and a half yeah <laughs> in the mood for love. all of his movies he made three movies out of fucking happy together like there's yeah. like literally three movies on the cutting room floor he, he would just change his mind and start making a different movie the next day and um that's the kind of freedom people should have yeah unfortunately it's too expensive yeah all right guys all right ya. guys so we're gonna be back here with 25th hour <laughs> uh before we continue though let's remind the audience both to rate subscribe to the podcast all that, you know, uh, podcast uh, Go stuff. Go back to the archive. Go we back to the archive. Francis Ho. Francis Ho. Remember uh, that classic? Which Francis one? Ha. Oh, yeah, Francis Ha. Yeah, classic. Um, uh, the Lost Corral episode. God knows where that's yeah. at. <laughs> Haley accused me of having a crush on Greta Gerwig. What? She accused me of having a crush on Greta Gerwig. Doesn't everybody have, like, some sort of... Everybody falls in love with Greta Gerwig at one point. Yeah. God. I couldn't. I couldn't say no. Yeah. Do but you? Anyway. You do? Sure. Why not? She looks kind of tall. That's good for me. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. You wouldn't be intimidated. Christ! Oh my God. I'm watching Tom Hardy and Legend stab this man to death with a what is that? A kitchen knife. Like a kitchen knife or something? Jesus yeah. Christ! He's the wild brother, right? No, the the other guy's the wild brother. He's the one. It's the, they're uh, they're switching roles here. Really? Yeah. I thought he was the calm one with the glasses. No, no, he's the opposite. He's the crazy one. Oh. Damn. What a crazy... I can't believe Tom Hardy did this movie. Played, like, twins. That's so cool. Yeah, Tom Hardy's great. Got to bring him back to the to the, to the film screen. Where has he been? Uh, I heard he won a jujitsu. Oh, that's right. He's into that stuff. That's somewhere. awesome. Yeah, good anyway, uh, see you later, guys. All right, guys. Bye. Got to keep going. <laughs>